Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Hey everyone, it's Mel. Remember the story from episode 16 that never ended up making it into the recording? Well, it is here. We'll call this segment Wacky Widow Awareness. And from time to time, we will introduce our listeners to a fellow funky widow from the past. Today's widow is Sarah Winchester. I got my sources from biography.com, thetruthaboutsarahwinchester.com, and Wikipedia. Sarah Lockwood Pardee was born in 1839, some sources say 1840, in New Haven, Connecticut to Sarah Burns and Leonard Pardee. Leonard ran a progressive household, holding court with prominent abolitionists and freethinkers of the day. Influenced by this environment, Sarah developed into an excellent all-around student, learning four languages and demonstrating proficiency in musical composition, math, and sciences. By the age of 12, she was already fluent in the Latin, French, Spanish, and Italian languages. Furthermore, her knowledge of the classics, most notably Homer and Shakespeare, along with a remarkable talent as a musician, was well noticed. Growing to a petite 4 foot 10 inches and 95 pounds, she also developed a reputation as one of the area's great young beauties, nicknamed the Belle of New Haven. In addition to Sarah's brilliance and respectable place in society, 
there were several factors about New Haven that presented a unique influence on her upbringing. To begin, there was Yale University, originally known as Yale College. From its inception, Yale and New Haven was a hub of progressive thinking and activity. As a result, Sarah was raised and educated in an environment ripe with Freemasonic and Rosicrucian philosophy. Several of Sarah's uncles and cousins were Freemasons, but more importantly, at an early age, she was admitted to Yale's only female scholastic institution, known as the Young Ladies Collegiate Institute. Two of the school's most influential administrators and professors were both Rose Croy Freemasons. In addition to the liberal arts, these professors set forth a strict curriculum consisting of the sciences and mathematics. On September 30, 1862, Sarah married fellow New Haven resident William Winchester, whom she had likely known since childhood. Her father-in-law, Oliver, was co-owner of the Winchester Davies Shirt Manufactory, and William was being groomed to take over the company. However, Oliver had also developed an interest in the firearms business, and after taking control of the Volcanic Arms Company, he established the Winchester Repeating Arms Company in 1866. William soon sold his interest in the shirt company and became secretary of Winchester Repeating Arms. The family business became immensely successful. Its Winchester Model 1873 rifle was known as the gun that won the West, and the company sold more than 700,000 rifles from that year through 1916. Wild West luminaries, Buffalo Bill Cody and Annie Oakley, celebrated their prowess with the Winchesters, as did President Theodore Roosevelt. In June 1866, Sarah Winchester gave birth to a daughter, Annie. However, the baby was unable to metabolize proteins and died malnourished six weeks later. Sarah had no more children. Fifteen years later, William Winchester died at age 43, following a long battle with tuberculosis. The double loss of Annie and William was a staggering blow to Sarah. Inheriting a 50% stake in the company worth approximately $20 million, and in today's money, that's $526,315,789.47, which in turn earned her approximately $1,000 per day in royalties for the rest of her life. So in today's money, that's about $26,000 per day, the result of which made her one of the wealthiest women in the world. Sarah endowed what would become the Winchester Chest Clinic at New Haven Yale Hospital, and then she moved to California to start anew with extended family members. In 1886, Sarah Winchester bought a 40-acre plot of land in San Jose, California, which included an eight-room cottage. Over the next 20 years, at a cost of approximately $5 million, in today's money, that's $131.5 million, the cottage was rebuilt into a 160-room mansion, covering an area of 24,000 square feet. Well ahead of her time, Mrs. Winchester employed many high-tech inventions of her day. She is believed to have been the first builder to use wool insulation, the house was lit with carbide gas lights that were supplied by its own gas manufacturing plant. Panels of electric buttons were used to operate the lights by means of electromechanical strikers that caused a spark to ignite the various lamps. Sarah was also among the first to make use of a shower and elevators, 
two driven by hydraulics, and a third by electricity. The mansion is a little bit like a labyrinth with maze-like staircases and doors that lead to nowhere. The designs featured use of the numbers 7, 11, and 13, as it is said Sarah was superstitious. It is said that Sarah Winchester employed construction workers 24 hours, seven days a week. When news of her death got to her construction crew on September 5, 1922, they immediately ceased working, leaving nails half-driven into the walls. So, in the present day, Sarah's mansion is called the Winchester Mystery House. It's a tourist attraction in San Jose, and it's a Queen Anne Revival Victorian mansion. The home features an elaborate interior layout, seemingly designed to confuse visitors, stairways, and at ceilings, doors open to walls, big rooms contain smaller rooms, things like that. The house is said to be haunted with the spirit of a former caretaker named Clyde among those roaming the halls. Now this next part could be folklore. From what I was researching, it sounds like as soon as the mansion became a tourist attraction, tour guides would sometimes make up information to make the stories sound more supernatural. So we're not quite sure of what the truth totally is, but here's what they tell you. Adding to the supernatural appeal are the stories of its former owner who supposedly believed that the untimely death of her husband and daughter were karmic payback for all the people killed by Winchester rifles. As the legend goes, Winchester was told by a medium that she needed to keep building the home to pacify the spirits of the dead, so she reportedly employed construction teams around the clock and communicated with ghosts in her seance room to receive instructions on how to design the unusual interior. To further appease the angry spirits, Mrs. Winchester made sure the construction of the house went on non-stop, 24-7, 365 days a year, for fear that should the building ever stop, she would die. For some inexplicable reason, however, Mrs. Winchester took precautions in the building design so as to incorporate all of the strange features of the house to confuse the evil spirits. Moreover, she would ring her alarm bell every night at midnight to signal the spirits that it was seance time, and then again at 2 a.m., signaling the spirits that it was time to depart. Which begs the question, who is in charge of whom? And why would spirits have an inability or need to keep track of time? Furthermore, Sarah infused the numbers 7 and 11 into the architecture because they are lucky numbers, and the number 13? Well, as everyone knows, that's an unlucky number which Mrs. Winchester used to ward off all the evil spooks. She also slept in a different room every night as an extra measure to throw the spirits off her trail. Or so they say. We're not quite sure if that's true or not. Some sources indicate that Sarah's designs were influenced by the ways of the Freemasons and Rosicrucians, and that the integration of prime numbers, her love for geometry, and the inclusion of the labyrinth-like staircases are proof of that theory. Practically a small town unto itself, the Winchester estate was virtually self-sufficient with its own carpenter and plumber's workshops along with an on-premise water and electrical supply, and even a sewage drainage system, which was not common in those days. In 2010, a history teacher named Mary Jo Ignafo published what was believed to be the first-length biography of Winchester, Captive of the Labyrinth, Sarah L. Winchester, heiress to the Rifle Fortune. The book refuted much of the lingering conceptions of Sarah, including the rumor that she was influenced by a medium to build at a breakneck pace to appease angry ghosts. Indeed, the author found correspondence in which Winchester specifically mentioned that she had stopped construction for periods. 
Furthermore, there was a plausible explanation for some of the house oddities. Instead of rebuilding after the 1906 earthquake, Winchester simply had some passageways sealed off, resulting in the doors and stairways that went nowhere. Ignafo also found no evidence that Winchester's workers believed she was crazy or was communicating with the dead. They suspected that the rumors developed just because very few people knew about Sarah, because she was pretty reclusive. And when she got into her later years, she was suffering from severe rheumatoid arthritis. So I was lucky enough to be able to go and visit the Winchester house last summer when I was working in San Jose. As I walked through the parts of the house that were available for the tour, I was impressed by Sarah Winchester's innovation and creativity. And as a fellow widow, I really appreciated that the fact that she surrounded herself with new ideas and hobbies and that she was continually rebuilding a new life for herself, even if her ways were a little quirky. To me, Sarah seemed like the fun and exciting aunt that everybody wishes that they had. She would bring back the latest fashions from Japan for her niece, and during the tour we were able to see some of those artifacts from her travels. Her forward-thinking ideas with regard to adding the latest technology into her mansion really resonated with me as someone who was trying to keep moving forward after the tragedy of loss. And the house maybe felt a little bit haunted, which of course I loved. But I also felt a kinship with Sarah as a fellow young widow that just had to keep going, despite the grief she lived with every day. I highly recommend visiting the Winchester Mystery House if you are ever in San Jose. And if you do, be sure and say hi to our fellow widow, Sarah Winchester. Thanks so much for listening to this installment of Wacky Widow Awareness. And of course, for supporting us and listening to our podcast, Widow We Do Now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not. Who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.